Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to Blue Mountain Village Voices. Today we spoke with John Miller, the dentist, the entrepreneur, the pioneer. John has been a practicing dentist in Collingwood for the last 20 years. And while residing here, he's co-founded the Rainbow Club, a beautiful and necessary organization designed to unite the LGBTAQ2S community. Interesting enough, Andrew is the other co-founder. This episode covers life in Collingwood, opportunity, diversity, and what we can do in the future to improve and to grow. Well, hello, John. How are you today? Hey, Andrew. I'm good. Thanks. <laughs> it's good to see you. You too. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us for the podcast. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. I always like to ask our guests straight away, uh, what brought you to the South Georgian Bay or Collingwood area? What was it about this place that attracted you? Uh, well, I've been here almost 20 years now. So it's funny when people ask me what brought me here, you know, as a single gay man, why would I be coming to Collingwood? Well, I wasn't out at the time. So, you know, that, that's a whole different story. But I uh, what brought me here was tennis. Tennis is my passion. You know, I grew up playing a lot of tennis. I was a tennis. I was coaching when I was at Western and I wanted to go to a community. So when I when I finished dental school, I did a residency at Sick Kids Hospital. And so I had the chance to live in Toronto that year, basically said, no, the city is not for me. Uh, I'm a small town guy at heart. So I want to be in a small community. And I want to go somewhere where there's a, a tennis community. And so at the time, Montero was a, you know, maybe a little bit of a bigger tennis community, active, obviously, with the ski hill. And so obviously with the activities that were here, I'm not a skier, but for me, it was kind of like, well, there is something to do in winter. So it's a four season thing. But yeah, literally, it really was the tennis that kind of got me to to move here uh and you know i joined the tennis club and it was kind of like you know my my valhalla is is here you know and the rest is history and, and the, the other part history. of it was i i did start a i started a practice here with farrell anderson and as well in barry and i thought well maybe barry's the the mix of the two is closer to the city a little bigger but obviously there's no comparison you know, this is this is the place i wanted to be Wow. I, I think a lot of people would say that you had a lot of foresight 20 years ago to uh, see the opportunity here, both in terms of your own personal life, but as well for economic development. So, you know, we got to tap into that for the next 20 years. You know, you wear a lot of hats. You wear a lot of hats in your business. So you're a dentist, you're a healthcare practitioner, you're an employer, uh, you're a business owner and more. That's a lot of hats to wear in kind of one one career all at once. I'm wondering, and I think a lot of people don't realize that when you go into the healthcare profession, there's always a requirement that you become a business person as well, or quite often. So I'm wondering if you could talk to us about your journey from, you know, new graduate, new dentist to business owner what was that did it take a while to get your feet wet 
A hundred percent. I mean, you know, in, in the practice of dentistry, you know, having gone through all the stages, it's, it's the thing that every dentist will say is that when you go through dental school, you learn, you know, well, I can actually say that you actually don't learn the dentistry until you're actually get your feet wet in, in the real world. But the one thing is that you don't learn anything about business. If I had to, you know, say about the journey and what's made me what I think is a successful businessman, it's about people. You know, this is advice across the board for any business owner. I would say the way to be successful in business is to be good and to be a good person and to be good to people. So I have, you know, the staff that I have that I've created, anybody that knows my practice, people have been there forever and people don't leave. And I'd like to say, pat myself on the back and just say that I treat my staff well. And, you know, I make sure that everyone's happy. And the same goes for my patients. It's like, you know, I've built a practice being very ethical and really just making sure that for the most part, I mean, there's certain people that you're not going to please no matter what, but it's about, it's about happiness and creating a happy environment. And so I think the success of my business really has come from just being a good, ethical, honest person and just spreading that everywhere. So, you know, everyone is generally happy. Yeah. So. And, and I can see how you've deployed that, not just in your practice, but in your volunteer work, different economic development initiatives that you've engaged in. I think it's always a great place to start from. Is there more that you would want to share about your leadership style? You know, uh, how do you, you know, how yeah. do you lead a business with that in mind? How does that, how do you do that practically? I think honestly, you, you don't micromanage, you know, I, I think the, the, the thing is you, you have to trust people, you have to give them their roles and you let them run with them and they'll make mistakes, but that's when you're there to say, okay, let's look at this. And you know, how should we have done this better? I mean, we have a morning meeting every day where we discuss what's going to happen in the day. Uh, we discuss things that maybe didn't go so smooth. And, you know, that's when I might step in is when, there's an issue, but usually it's not me coming to that person to say, you know, I think this is wrong. It's usually them coming to me saying, you know, I kind of had an issue and then we talk through it. So yeah, like I, I let people do their thing, you know, and, and I think you empower people when they have their job and they know that they're relied upon to do that job and they're not, someone's not looking over their shoulder. And to be honest, we're just all too, at, at this stage yeah, in our who career has time. Now, we don't have the time, but, but I say, how did I build the business and make it successful? That's, I think that's really what it is. And, you know, at the end of the day, some, there are some people that haven't worked. I make sure that if somebody is not doing a good job in their role, we'll talk about it. And, and then maybe they're not meant to be in that position. You know, I, I do make sure that all of the jobs are covered and, and I take care of everybody. So this is the endemic situation in the world right now is the shortage of staff. Mm -hmm. you know, and that's a tough one to manage. And, you know, like I feel for the restaurant industry and service industry right now, because they just don't have enough staff. And so you, you, you don't want to overload your staff with things. So little things like my first available patient that I can see now is, is February. And I, I've made the decision to say, you know what, people keep calling because they want to mm -hmm. be a patient of the practice or they have a problem. And I've just said, I can't. And, and that, that helps with the overall practice. So until we have more staff that can accommodate, you know, it doesn't make sense 
for me to take on new patients where I, I like, I want to service my own patients, Yeah, you know? So you just kind of have to listen and have and eyes and ears that, that are around you. And I have a great office manager with Jamie Lloyd, who, you know, she's the ears and the eyes of the practice, which basically she's the one that comes to me and is like, you know what, we need to solve this. And that's the thing when, when a problem is, is addressed, you have to address it and fix it. It can't For sure. be like sweep it under the rug and like, oh, well, you know, it'll just fix itself. I think that if I had to say the biggest thing that I've learned is you can't wait for other people to fix problems. Like they have to be identified. And a lot of times you have to do it. And it <laughs> yeah. might be as simple as changing a light bulb. Like, yeah. you know, a lot of times everyone's so busy that, you know, and I think that's where I, I maybe excel is, is, I don't look at myself as just the dent, you know, the dentist that doesn't do those menial tasks. I'll wash the dishes, you know, like you just kind of look at and you help everybody. That's right. That's right. I think you tapped into something interesting when you talked about understanding when to take new patients and and trying to juggle, I should say, maintain a balance that is good for your patients, good for your business, good for your colleagues. I'm talking to a lot of folks in the service sector and and other other industries, and they're doing the exact same thing right now. Uh, there may be labor challenges, there may be supply chain challenges. And so businesses are getting really good at only committing to what they can deliver and deliver well and waiting and applying patience. And I think I think that maybe is not something we were used to doing before, but I think the pandemic has helped us to remember and realize that that's really important. So good for you. I think that's probably, I bet you your team breathes a sigh of relief knowing that you're, you're going to pace the operation so that you guys can actually do what you do well, the best you can. Over 20 years in the field of dentistry, uh, specifically to that, you know, to that health discipline, what has changed? Has a lot changed in that 20 years? My experience. Yeah. I, How about I, in the I, industry? Know, yeah. It, like, well, I mean, definitely um, technology way back when, you know, digital radiography where, you know, your exposure to dangerous radiation chemicals. Now, you know, we don't have all of these dangerous chemicals that we used to in processing x-rays, that kind of thing. Oh, interesting. Um, you know, definitely dental materials. I think that's another thing. What we put in our bodies is, is now we're a lot more aware that a certain th things last longer because of the chemical adhesions of things. And just from a health perspective, you know, like people are more, and that's another part too, is that the population is now a lot more aware. Mm. So, you know, we went through a phase where we found that there were harmful agents in the sealants that we used on kids' teeth. And, and now, you know, they don't put those dangerous chemicals in those sealants anymore. I mean, that's not just the public, but the public is aware now of things that, that we place and put in people's mouths. So for example, you know, there's a whole holistic side of things now that yeah. we have to deal with, with fluoride and, you know, certain, there's a definitely an anti-fluoride generation that's, that's out there, you know, so you have to be cognizant of all of these things. For and, sure. You know, like yeah. I work with Shelby Wirtz a lot on people that want to remove their, their amalgams and they have chelation therapy, you know, before and after to eliminate the mercury. And there's a lot of things that, didn't exist, you know, and prevention. I mean, mm. you know, now it's all about saving teeth instead of just take out the tooth tooth and just prevention. So that what we do now, we don't see as many 
curious lesions where we're doing as many for know, sure. You know. So I'm doing a lot more cosmetic stuff. Yeah. Which, which that is, is probably, a, that's probably a newer trend than 20 years ago. I would imagine a little more, probably a little more popular anyway. hundred percent. Like now I don't know if that's more just because, you know, I've kind of streamlined my, what I do to, mm-hmm. to doing that. And so I kind of maybe attract more of those patients, but definitely I'm doing a lot more of that now. Invisalign braces, you know, that's, that that's technology right there where, you know, you can straighten someone's teeth and it's in a case and a system of trays. And now, you know, they have and the, the online version that you can just buy yourself and, you know, get it, you mail in your impressions and there you go. Boom. I don't wow. recommend that by the way. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I would imagine not. You know, yeah. it's so fat. It's so fascinating. I'm so glad I asked you that question because it really doesn't matter what sector you're in. We're all experiencing an empowered consumer we're all experiencing new technology that's changing the way we we operate. And then, of course, there's all of these disruptive platforms that give more control to to consumers and, and other players. So it's interesting. It does cut across all sectors. That That's in, insightful, actually. And again, I think it just reinforces how in the field that you're in, you know, everything that's coming at you every day, never mind the healthcare knowledge you need, but how do you adapt your business to all those trends and all that stuff? Do you have a, is your association, the say the dental association, is that a really good source of learning and uh, best practices? Or do you have more of a, a personal network that you rely on? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, your association is there to kind of give you the guidelines, like things like the COVID, how you, the practice toolkit, here's, here's what you need to do uh, I mean, you have, we have our college, which they, the RCDSO is there. The Royal College of Dental Surgeons is there for the public. So they make sure that the public is protected, not, not right. the dentists, but our, our association, Ontario Dental Association, they're there to basically be our, our governance, you know, to look out for us. But in terms of like the way we practice dentistry, the general rules are there, but that's, those are general rules that every dentist needs to know. But when it comes to actually you being a better practice or a better practitioner, that's really up to you to take continuing education. For sure. And it sounds like a lot of investment and a lot of entrepreneurial mindsets coming to the table, right? Well, yeah. I mean, anytime you go through that, you, you develop new systems. Like my practice and most practices, it's all about systems. So when you got a new, like, for example, I just got, as, as you know, uh, I just got certified in Botox for the delivery. Mm-hmm. So that's a whole system. It's, you know, where, you know, how long you book for patients, what's the follow-up, what you got to know, and your front desk has to know the codes. And so it's not easy to, to implement things. And especially when you're so busy as it is to say, oh, hey, everyone, we're going to learn a new technique mm-hmm. or a new, like, for example, if we wanted to change our operating system, you know, how we e- enter everything, we've thought about that, but oh my gosh, (laughs) like to do that is, you know, there's a learning curve for everything. And then it's like, when you do a learning curve, everything takes longer. And so do you, you have to really think about whether you want to implement new things. That's right. That's right. And I would imagine for someone new starting out, what would your advice be to them? Oh, Uh, it's funny. Uh, My neighbor, her daughter is just going into dentistry and I like, oh, you're a dentist. Oh. And so I was, she's like, Okay, what is the advice? And so the advice I had for her daughter was definitely work for somebody. Don't mm-hmm. open up your own your own business right away. Use the knowledge of the person. Like I'll admit, like I'm still learning every day. But the dentist I was 
20 years ago to the dentist I am now, like, like it's intuition. I mean, you can look at someone and like, like I can answer your problem and your question with three questions and, and have a look. And I, you know, there's things I can see and I can sense that you can just, you can ask a few questions that you might not have asked years ago. And you, you kind of learn that being in an office. And to be honest, I don't know how a new grad can afford (laughs) to open a new dental practice right now. It's uh, I would imagine, yeah, uh, you're paying off your student loans and all of your the costs of education. Getting real estate today has got to be way, way more expensive than it ever was before. Yeah. And then just the technology, all that stuff is probably way more expensive. Yeah, Yeah. it's a really good point. I love I think that's great advice, though, which is learn from a mentor for a few years because you're going to get the benefit of the work experience, but also that uh, coaching. It's, it's a great model. It's a great model. Um, okay, I'm going to switch gears completely, but thank you for sharing some of your insights on that. Sure. In your business, you, um, aside from your dentistry, I mean, you have other aspects of your business and you're working on um, a really, uh, you're reinventing the Trot building and you're kind of getting, and that's the building that your practice is located in on here, Ontario Street, downtown, beautiful historic building. You're looking for getting ready for new business opportunities there. So I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about that. Give us some sneak peek yeah. insights on what you're doing. Sure. So yeah, it's really exciting. So I guess it would be four years ago now, Sam, Sam Goodman, my business partner, we bought the building. Largely was for a reason because we were going to invest a million dollars in renovating our practice. So we are going to throw that kind of money into a practice. It's a decision. It's like, well, do we stay or Mm. do we go? And so we approached Rick Offord, who was the owner at the time and said, listen, Rick, you know what? We're, we're making a big investment here. We want to buy the building because it, you know, it makes sense. So anyway, we negotiated, we bought the building. And at the time I, it was a bit scary for me because it wasn't necessarily my lifelong plan uh, to own the real estate because I I was doing fine and and mm-hmm. you know a successful practice, but Dr. Goodman he has an MBA and he's smart, and I think that is also advice to anyone that is if you can own the building that you're in, I mean it's it's amazing. So so it's kind of like it wasn't like I was reluctant, but but it was like okay sure I'll do that you know I'm a 50% owner in the building so so we bought the building and the building yeah like you said it's uh, first built in 1868 burnt down i think 1877 you know rebuilt so it's it's and it's been there forever so the the history of that building it was they used to build the furniture for the ships that were launched in Collingwood oh. um they also you know the funeral home was across the street so they built the caskets and had the caskets in the building as well so there's a a part of a significant part of Collingwood's history, which for me now, it really holds a piece in my heart because owning this building, I see it as more than just a place where my business is. And I really truly believe that it's my business and it's meant to be shared with Collingwood. So what's happened now, we, um, we have actually rebranded uh, and anyone's out there has seen it. It's called the Trot Block. And that's what the building was called in the past. So we've basically just brought it up from the ashes and recreated it with a new name and a new wonderful logo, uh, thanks to Kit Redding and Holger Meisch, who I've been working with uh, to do the branding. And we love it. You're going it to looks see good. Looks by really the good. end of the month, we're going to be putting new signage outside on the building. And we're going to have these decals all along the sidewalk where you can, you'll see interesting facts about the history of the building. Oh, great. And be, uh, yeah. And there'll be a, a code as well. So you can scan it and it'll take you to our website 
which is the trotblock.ca. But what I see for myself and my involvement is the one space I look at it as the kind of the corporate space where mm. dental seminars, medical seminars, uh, wealth management seminars, I see all the local groups that maybe will want to use that space for, yeah, say, like Rotary, for example, you know, I'm not sure exactly where they're meeting right now or Probus. I know I've had some interests with those kind of service clubs. And this is where I get to give back to the community. This is really where I see my my desire is, yes, I want to have weddings and, and I want to make sure that it's a successful event space. Have you ever thought, I'd love to have a podcast just like this one? Well, I can help. My name is Matt Kundal, and everyone at my company, the Sound Off Podcast Network, had a hand in making this show. Whether it was about the sound, the discoverability, or that you're just enjoying the show, we are all about the detail. If you think you have a podcast in you, reach out to me via email, matt at soundoff.network. Or check out the website and become one of the great podcasts we work with at soundoff.network. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. But at the end of the day, I just see giving back to Collingwood. I really want to create something that Collingwood doesn't have. There, there really isn't a space, you know, like if you want to have an event, like you can go to the, to the Leisure Time Center, you might go to the Huron Club. But in terms of a capacity like that, where you can have the capacity, I believe is going to be 300 people. That's a massive capacity where, and you're in something with character, like it's exposed yeah. brick. I'm already looking at where, you know, I don't want to give too many secrets away because, you know, when you see it, it's going to be spectacular, but I'm working with Joe Redman, who is a, a pretty well-known designer in the area that she designed the Georgian Bay Club. And we've got some pretty, I, I'm not going to spill the beans on some of the things that, that we're going to do, but we've got some really amazing design ideas with a, with a rooftop patio where I'm looking to put a grill and a bar. So nice. it'll be a space where, you know, people are going to want to want to have an event for sure. Sounds great. It sounds very memorable. And I think one of the things that's so great about it is you're creating a community space. I've never heard someone say we have too many great community spaces. It's always the reverse. We need more and we want options and we want authenticity. And I think creating something like that in the heart and the hub of downtown Collingwood is, is, is a great idea. So, so bravo yeah. to you. So, yeah, well, you know, one other thing I want to bring up too, just, and, you know, obviously Andrew, people know us, we work together with the rainbow club and yeah. the other thing that I want to do. And, and, and one of the niche things I want to do is I want gay weddings to be mm. uh, one of the niche things that happens on that rooftop, but also my, it's my desire. Cause I imagine when I sort of, funnel it to whoever's going to be taking care of the space. I want one night per month that will be an LGBTQ uh, space where it could be drag shows, uh, whether it be like a DJ from the city coming to do. Yeah. Like parties, I want to have parties. Yeah. I want to make sure that, you know, just building on the culture because 
there's really no, no place to go, you know, at, at this point, I mean, it's a tough industry as it is, but, but I think I really want to create that in the space as well. No, I think that's, I think that's great. And I, and I love this as a, as an entrepreneur, because you're taking all the best of the things that you are good at and enjoy, and you're creating ways to, to make that happen within your sphere and to create spaces for that. And I think if any young person wanted to ask, how could I grow a business that's relevant to the community? I mean, that's a perfect example of how you do it, right? Uh, since you mentioned the Rainbow Club, um, and yes, most listeners will know that uh, you and I are, are part of the Rainbow Club of South Georgian Bay, which is a, an organization that supports the LGBTQ plus communities. I'm going to ask you, from your perspective, especially someone who's been here for you know, 20 plus years, why did you think that the Rainbow Club was such an important initiative and, and why now? Uh, well, <laughs> I mean, anybody that's grown up in Collingwood knows that it's blue collar it's it's conservative. Everyone votes blue. We still vote blue. And I remember like, you know, coming to Collingwood in when I when I moved here, my sister, you know, when I started my dental practice, it was me and my sister and my dental assistant. And she would just be shielding all because I was not out. I didn't feel comfortable. You know, I wasn't comfortable in my own skin, but the community around certainly didn't lend itself to someone who was in the LGBTQ community to be open. And so I think what's happened is, you know, partly through our efforts is we've kind of paved the way we've opened it up. And what's happened is, you know, we we've seen the community, how it responded to our first pride event this year, how everyone embraced it. And, And it was like, you know, we do the work, we're part of the community. So we want it to be a success. We, we want to bring it. We want to, and, and, you know, we've been integral with that for sure. Like I pat ourselves on the back, but you can see how the communities responded. And, and I, I really believe that's a huge change is that now uh, you, you, I see it. I mean, I see it in my practice, the LGBTQ members that are moving to Collingwood, you know, and even single people, which I, mm-hmm. you know, I'm still, I'm like, why are you moving here? And they're like, well, we see some changes. We see that, you know, it's more progressive and this, the city isn't what it was, especially in the pandemic. It's really yeah, changed, for sure. Right? I mean, when we grew up, we, we wanted to go out, you'd go to the city. The climate of, of the world today has changed too. I mean, bars are, well, they, they don't exist now, you know? And so there's less incentive to be in the city. And I think calling is unique. Like, it's different than any other small town of its size. I think I say Collingwood is unique in the whole world for what we have to offer here from our trails and the being on the water mountain trails is like, it's unique to really anywhere. So then you add the people that, that now live here are the, the CEOs of country uh, companies. Uh, you, so you, you've got education. I hate to say it, but you have wealth that comes yeah. here and you can't avoid that, but it just brings more education with wealth, there also comes education and there's a component of people where they're more accepting. And, it's very and good. Yeah. Know, thank goodness that we have the diversity of the people here because it makes our community better. That's right. That's right. And I do. And I definitely think that organizations like the Rainbow Club or initiatives like the Unity Collective in Collingwood, I mean, they send a signal to the rest of the province and the country and beyond that this is a place to be and that there's opportunity for everyone. So, yeah, I agree with you. And I think I think it's really engaging to be a part of that. And it's fun, too. I mean, uh-huh. 
What was your favorite part of Pride in 2021? So Collingwood Pride took place in July. You know, what was what stand out for you? What what was your proudest moment? The engagement of the community. I mean, you know, I'm, 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 there's a, there's just a, there's a lot that uh, I mean, there's the aftermath. I want to say aftermath, the after effects of people who can't come to me and say, great job. I think it was, you know, after the fact when I realized and because when you're in it, you're in it. And you know how you're like so centered on on just doing your part. But then it was like when you go down the street and like just seeing like the the, the Seawood sign that was lit up with pride colors and then the amount of activity or or the 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 sidewalk where you know mm-hmm. everyone who is like so happy and just getting photos and just happy to be a part of it and and then seeing all the flags in the windows and and it, you know it wasn't the, the great part was like it wasn't just the downtown i w- i did a drive you know through you know some of the other streets and i'm seeing it in the windows and and like you knew that it had an effect Townwide, for me and beyond, the, yeah, yeah, the whole region, yeah. the whole region actually. You know, and then what happened down at Sunset Point at the the park? How everyone came together, and it was those kind of things that that where you saw evidence that now is it us directly that did that? I don't know, but definitely it, it had an impact, and the excitement for next year. This might be a segue, but my involvement in the BIA and you know how just knowing the reaction from the downtown businesses and, and the expectations of like, Oh, well next year. I think you said it very well. And at the end of the day, you always do this to get a a great response and to know that it makes a difference for people. And you saw that from the community in so many different ways. So, and I think that's a really good example for anyone who's looking at setting up a social agency or trying to make an impact with an event you got to look at results at a number of places, see what people are saying online, look at the feedback, connect with people, observe where the engagement comes from. Those are, they're all really important pieces. You're segueing me quite well to the BIA. And I know that you are a director on the BIA. I think it's a, it is a really strong BIA and does great work. I'm wondering if you can share with us, you know, some of the priorities of the BIA and what the BIA is looking to achieve, say in the next you know six months or so. Anything to note? So I'm on the promotions committee, like in terms of mm-hmm. what hat do I wear? Um, so it's my job to be in charge of events and communication really amongst the membership in the BIA. So the biggest thing, I guess, that's coming up, Cassie and I, Cassie's another director who I work very closely with, Cassie and Brandon, we're kind of mm-hmm. like the new blood, I guess, is the Christmas market. So we're we're very excited about, you know, we, we unrolled it last year, but it was right in the middle of the pandemic. We only had two out of the three Fridays where we could actually have it, but we had a huge impact and you can, you, you know, I I think the BIA is responsible for all those decorations that, that happened downtown, Kathy Anderson, and we have to give her full kudos Uh, She's an amazing director, but you know, this year we haven't been able to have a lot of events. So, you know, we're really excited to hopefully have a Santa Claus parade. We don't know yet exactly what that's. Oh, I hope so. But Cassie and I kind of met, we still don't have our full directives from the ministry about what we can and can't do, Mm -hmm. but we are optimistic and we're, we're, we're plowing forward. So it's kind of like, 
if we don't do it now, we got a plan or they're just, it won't be able to happen. So, right. um, and so hey, if, if you have a plan and it has to be adapted, that's fine. The homework will help you later down the track, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so I would say, you know, we just had our, 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 our first fashion week, uh, which we, again, we had to pivot. And unfortunately we couldn't have our big fashion show that we wanted to have at the end of the week. I, I was privy to, uh, being a model in one of those, uh, I <laughs> heard those things, <laughs> uh, anything to support the, the BIA, you gotta um, do what you gotta do, you know? Uh, so that was great, but I definitely see like Monica Schneer, international known uh, model. She she was involved, and I think his plans to be next year. So Super. that's going to be something you know that that's a new event for Collingwood. I will group Pride into that. You know, BIA. Mm-hmm. I do wear a number of hats that you know they're going to be involved. Beautification. I, I I think that we've done such a great job. You know, our our garden plan, our master garden plan came into effect. There's going to be a lot of improvements on the main street that's happening. We're looking at an archway, which is is in the project. So basically, the we, we want to really divide and know that when people are coming to Collingwood, they're entering the town of Collingwood, the downtown, historic downtown. Mm-hmm. So, so that's in the budget. We're looking at uh, having a, an archway, which is going to be very beautiful, that will be at the corner of Huron, Ontario and First Street. And that brings us to Santa Claus. You know, hopefully that's all going to happen. Aside from events, uh, the other part of the the thing which which I'm involved in is is my initiative with the BIA is dividing the BIA into eight districts so that each, each one of these districts, you won't necessarily know what it's for is basically to engage so that the board members will be responsible to each one of those districts so that instead of Sue Nicholson, who, oh my God, she does so much work. Like people have no idea how much work she does. And I like, she's incredible, but sometimes she gets so overwhelmed. She has so much to do that that personal one-on-one contact is maybe lost. And so the idea is that each one of these board members will have their district where I will walk into Coriander and I will say, Hey, you know what? Like, here's what's happening. Do you have any ideas? Do you have any suggestions? And hopefully engage them to, if they have their own initiatives they want to bring forward or or just if they want to get involved. And I think that's going to be really important in the future with, with the BIA and any of the events or any of the things that we're going to do. Well, um, I think... I think what's really smart about that too is that the BIA in Collingwood really is a collection of zones and districts with unique flavors. So that gives each of those areas an opportunity as well to to differentiate, focus on matters that are important to those merchants or businesses. So it's a way of being extremely customer focused. So that's pretty innovative for a BIA. So yeah. congrats to you guys. Yeah. Yeah. That's, thanks. That's the good. big thing is the garbage right now, uh, you know, that we're working on, which, you know, I, I probably is not a, a positive thing to talk about where, you know, the, the, the county is bringing all these garbage bins and, you know, we're really trying to advocate to not throw hundreds of these bins so that our downtown just looks like a whole bunch of garbage bins. But again, that's something that Sue Nicholson is great. Dave Conning, he's another board member. They've been working really hard to try to communicate that we we can't just be putting hundreds of garbage bins out on the main street. Like that's just, so anyway, that's what your BIA does is they kind of, they, they work on your behalf to make things better. You know, for sure. And I, I have no doubt that all the businesses want 
to divert waste and recycle more, but you got to do it in the right context. And uh, there's got to be a better way to organize that rather than cluttering up the streets and creating trip hazards and more mess, yeah. etc. It's so complicated. I get it. It's, it's, it's not, yeah. Nothing is, nothing like that is ever easy. And that's a lot, a lot of what people don't appreciate sometimes, but good for you guys for tackling it. No question. It's I'm struck John by our conversation and, and a couple of themes. So it seems to me that no matter what you do, you're always collaborative. You're, you're always working with partners or colleagues or team members. And I think that is such a best practice. You take the opportunity to celebrate those people that you work with. I mean, look at all the people you mentioned and gave shout outs to today. And I think that is such a, an admirable thing to do. You know, you're an advocate for your community through your business as an entrepreneur. And I think it's an example of how you really can give back and make a difference. So I just want to, you know, take a moment to sort of thank you for that and celebrate you. That's it, it's really admirable. And I think uh, a great best practice for many to follow. Well, thanks. My, uh, you know, like when people ask me about why I do certain things and why am I doing the event space, you know, at the end of the day, what I've said to people is when I die, I don't have kids. What am I passing down? What am I, what am I leaving? I'm hoping that when I'm not here, that I will have created something that has made Collingwood better. Hmm. And what a great way by reinventing and reinvigorating a, a beautiful historic building and experience. So you're, you're layering on top of what your forebearers have done as well. So I think that's really nice. Before I let you go, I have a couple of rapid fire questions I would just want to throw at you to get okay. just quick, quick answers. Okay. okay. Number one, what is your favorite hike to do in the region? I'll, I have to say Georgian Peaks and the Lori Forest Loop. Uh, yes, you've taken me on that grinder of an uphill hike, and yes. uh, I love it too. Um, <laughs> what is your favorite waterfront location in the region? Well, I lived at Lighthouse Point, and there is a little swimming hole there that is, but but people can't go there. <laughs> <laughs> Don't try to go there. But it's it's the reason why I moved there for twelve years. Gotcha. Contact your realtor, folks. Um, okay, <laughs> what is your favorite local spot to go on a date? Uh, I'm going to say lowdown. Lowdown. Great, great, great. Okay. And finally, as a dentist, what is your go-to advice for patients who want to improve their smile? Regular brushing and flossing. There you go. Thank you. You're welcome. We'll talk soon. Thanks again, John. Okay. Bye, Andrew. Take care. Thanks for listening to Blue Mountain Village Voices, a production of the Blue Mountain Village Association. For more, go to bluemountainvillage.ca. A production of the Sound Off Media Company. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast. Heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com.